As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Today's episode of Hear That Podcast, Growling, presented by Visa, a network working for everyone. Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here working for you on playoff week number two. What's up, Jay? Hey, this is this is new, unfounded territory. This is this is getting a lot of fun right now. And I I imagine it's going to continue for the rest of the week all the way until we put boots on the ground in Nashville. Oh, That's- boots. We are going to have our boots stomping all over stomping all over maybe i'll i don't own a belt buckle but maybe i go and i buy a belt buckle while i'm down there one of those big ones i don't think they'll let you in unless you do that's true like there's probably that's like that's like the id to get into some of those bars down there you got to just show them your buckle yeah there's no cover charge you just have to have either a cowboy hat or a buckle i don't currently own either of those but uh (laughs) I'm pretty sure they'll still take my legal tender when I walk down there. So very excited about that and very excited about uh, seeing everybody out there in the street. It's going to be chilly. This is not going to be – this is not a trip south, even though it is a trip south. It's uh, it's about the same. It's going to be 20s, 30s. Um, it's it's going to be chilly. It's going to be pretty similar conditions probably to actually what we saw last Saturday at Paul Brown Stadium. So really that's a wash. It's not like last week where you had the team from Vegas and the quarterback who hasn't played well in the cold. I mean, this is pretty much uh, standard stuff for the Bengals, pretty standard stuff for Tennessee. Uh, so we'll, n- no weather no weather talk this week where we were all in the meteorology world last week. No, not this week. Um, a bunch to get to today, as you might imagine. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about this D-line situation. Of course, I would expect we'll get some moves probably and more information as we get through this today. Now, today we're recording this is Tuesday in the real world, but in the Bengals world, it's Wednesday, which I know is confusing. I've already been confused and not known what day it is for a week and a half. So that's just going to continue because with the Saturday game, the whole schedule is essentially up week. So we will talk today 
to Zach Taylor, to Joe Burrow, to a bunch of other people, uh, to some players. We'll watch practice and get a better view of where they're standing at health-wise and likely maybe see some moves of players that they might be bringing in or signing or whatever. So uh, more news on that is going to come as the week goes on. So you'll definitely want to listen to our Thursday show and uh, follow us on Twitter or on the app with our news updates in there as always. But for now... Uh, Larry Ogunjobi is on IR. They pulled Xavier Suofilo out of the 21-day window, and they're looking at some defensive linemen uh, to bring in. The current status of that room is uh, beleaguered, essentially. Uh, but it, it really comes down to, look, B.J. Hill and D.J. Reader on the interior are your starters. Um, but it, the question is, like, how many snaps can you get out of those guys? And what is your depth? Because your depth behind them is really the issue. That's what is depleted, truly depleted. So we're going to talk a lot more about that as we get in. And, and Jay, you've got a bunch more on that and have talked to some people there too. Um, we're talking about Joe Burrow. I've got a story up right now on the heater that Joe Burrow is currently on, which anybody that's been watching the Bengals is well aware, but I think there is some historical perspective and then a, a specific part of this heater uh, that I think has really been a big difference maker. And a lot, honestly, a lot of stats. I mentioned some of them yesterday, but some other things that I went into and I sort of dove further into it that I found really fascinating and, and particularly when you play it forward into what that looks like for the rest of the postseason, um, something stuff to think about. Um, Mo Egger will join us, of course. We'll talk about the win, talk about his experiences uh, in enjoying that win, and much more, as we always have fun bringing Mo on to talk about his tweets. We will have growler bet recaps and more fun things. Um, let's start with O-line, D-line. Um, you know, Jay, you've been kind of doing some deeper look into the defensive line situation. You know, where. What do we do here? How do we what? How do we assess this concern level for you from one to uh, maybe they shouldn't even play the game. <laughs> so, so one is no concern, and maybe one they is no do. concern. Okay, um, I don't know. I, I'd say the three or four range. I don't think it's is as dire as people might think. You mentioned it. I mean, you still have DJ Reader and BJ Hill, and those are quality defensive tackles. It's a huge question with Trey Hendrickson because number one, if he can't go, then then you're going to be relying on on Cam Sample and Khalid Kareem more outside, and those are guys that you could potentially move inside to be a three technique uh, to take that spot of Larry Ogunjobi on passing downs. But it's. It's not like – I mean, DJ Reader is a big guy, and they do rotate him a lot. But it's not like he's ha he hasn't had heavy loads. And, and some of his, his heavier loads were back when the weather was hot. I mean, he played 73% against Jacksonville. He played 77% against Green Bay. And, you know, he, he had an 85% game that first time they played Cleveland. That was a run-first team, kind of like this this Titans team is. And he held up for that for that long in that game. Now that there was only forty-one snaps total, because the Browns didn't have the ball a whole lot, they had all those explosive plays. But but still, I I, I think it's a no tomorrow type of game. Anytime you're in the playoffs, and I do think that they they will be able to lean on DJ Reader pretty heavily. Um, and then the other question here that we don't know yet is Josh Tupo 
and you touched on this in the live room. I mean, what is 70% of Josh Tupo? I mean, it's, it's better than anything else they have right now. I don't, I don't know that there's a lot of confidence in Tyler Shelvin. It was important that the, the whole resting your starters thing against Cleveland was, was framed as just that resting your starters. Well, well, now there's an ancillary benefit to that because you got guys in the game that got a taste of, of a full game taste of NFL action. Guys like Tyler Shelvin, who you you feel much better about sticking him in if you have to in this game than you would have had he not played that Cleveland game. Because before Cleveland, he played seven snaps all year. So at least he got a taste of it. Um, they, they did not have anybody in for tryouts yesterday. Um, I I don't know if that's still an option. Maybe they had some in on Sunday that that I'm not aware of, but I I, I still don't know what you would get anyhow um, from a guy coming off the street. It, it would be kind of an emergency, last ditch effort um, situation there. So the the concern I think is the most heavy concern is the fact that you're playing a really good offensive line and potentially a full dose of the best running back in the NFL over the last few years. It's we'll see how he holds up um, and what kind what kind of load Derrick Henry gets, how healthy he is. But I, I think it's not an ideal situation having Ogan Joby out and, and having Hendrickson questionable, but I don't think it's the end of the world scenario, doomsday scenario that a lot of people are making it out to be. Um, I checked in on some of the rules about where you can pluck guys from and things like that mm-hmm. yesterday. And essentially, um, you can obviously still pluck from other teams' practice squads of t- guys that are still uh, around, as long as they're not protected, of course. Now, that's the thing that we see all year. And, Jay, I know we, we often tweet, oh, okay, here's who the Bengals protected this week or whatever. Teams mm-hmm. can do that. you got to feel other teams in the playoffs will see the Bengals' situation and protect all their defensive tackles because um, yeah. who else is coming for them? Uh, so w- w- we may see that. Um, as long as a player from a team that's not playing didn't put that player on a, on a reserve future deal, which you see those always, right when the season ends, you'll see this and the Bengals will do this. You'll mm-hmm. see the Bengals signed 14 guys to a futures deal, right? That just means they're protecting them to be under the team's purview through the offseason and want to have them around for next year. So those players, uh, you they can't sign. But anybody else uh, that's out there on the street um, are – you know those guys that you could potentially look at. They're looking into it. Um, the the there's not a lot of great players out there, but you know they're kicking the tires and trying to see what they can find, and and really basically just looking for a big body that you know can spell DJ Reader. You know, mm-hmm. I just I think you're right. I think that the view is that maybe there's somebody out there that can play better than what they saw from Tyler Shelvin. You said, uh, you know, it was good seeing Shelvin play, or maybe it was good that they <laughs> saw the level that Shelvin was going to play at and realized maybe they need to go get somebody else rather than having the hope. I don't know which one of those that is, um, but at some point, um, they're they're going to need so, some help in there. To me, and and you know, because. It's not just that you're banged up there. It's that this is maybe their toughest matchup, right, Jay? I mean, the 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 Titans offensive line, particularly in the run game, which is why they play the way they do and, and paid Derrick Henry the way they did, 
they're they're built to beat up great defensive lines and so it's it's one of those where you're forced into playing their game if you can't slow it down even a little bit yeah and they they've got quality guys on that offensive line i mean taylor lawan and a former number one pick at left tackle david quisenberry's been really good at right tackle um dj reader played with and against quisenberry um he, he played against a lot of these guys being a former houston texan so i i i'll be interested to see if we get a chance to talk to him this week how, how big of an advantage that might be but uh, Roger Saffold at guard is is a solid, solid player. Was formerly with the Rams, and then you got Ben Jones at center and Nate Davis at right guard. It's it 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 almost is inconsequential who the offensive line is when you have a Derrick Henry. But then when you have a quality offensive line, and we saw this where Deontay Foreman comes in and and really runs the ball strong and well he wasn't Derrick Henry but it wasn't like the Titans had to completely scrap their plan and and become a first pass a a pass first team they they have a quality scheme they have quality offensive linemen and you know I I expect even if Derrick Henry is can take a full load I'm not sure they they would want to do that because they'll obviously have to have a little bit of an eye down the road and and when you've got guys that are number one quality and number two can be a little bit of a change up it only makes sense to to kind of shuffle those guys in and the the big thing for the Bengals will be to try to get out to to a lead and and maybe not let the the Titans lean on that run game as much as they want to there's no doubt I mean to me what comes even in stressed even further on this is jumping out early it is, you know, mm-hmm. something that I touched on in the Burrow piece. And we'll talk more in a minute about, but is go out, go for the throat early. Try to p- make sure you're playing from ahead. They've done this in this entire streak, this four game winning streak. Throwing out the Browns game, of course, where they've played from ahead. They have gotten the lead early, often because Joe Burrow has gone out there and, and got them early points and thrown it around, and then they've been able to play from ahead. If and if you're going to play a game, you know where you fall behind or it's like really close the whole way, you're playing even more. You want this to turn into a Tannehill fourth quarter, not a Derrick Henry fourth mm-hmm. quarter. How do you do that? Can you do that? And you do it by. Joe Burrow being the better quarterback, and and that doesn't change anything. Despite even if they run it down your throats, and you struggle to consistently stop the run, that's not great. But you'll take the shoot. You'll still be feel fine in a shootout as long as you can have your guy putting up points. And I still think that despite a really good Titans defense, that they can do this, particularly against these corners that are fine. That you know the, the Titans have really good safeties. You know, Christian Fulton, he's an LSU guy that uh, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are very, very familiar with from practices at LSU. Um, and, you know, you're talking about uh, Jack Rabbit Jenkins, which I'm not going to call him Jack Rabbit. Okay. Janoris. His name's Janoris Jenkins. It has not officially been changed anywhere. And I don't like that people call him Jack Rabbit Jenkins, you know? <laughs> uh, and so Janoris over there, these guys are fine. Like they're fine, but it's like any week with Burrow and these weapons, you feel like you have massive advantages there um, in, in the passing in the passing game. I mean, the Titans have a decent pass rush. I mean, 
Jeffrey Simmons has put in a ton of pressure. I think Geno Adkins in his prime, I mean, the way he's playing right now, Bengals fans would be familiar with what the kind of game record he is on the inside. And he's up in 60 pressures from the from the defensive tackle position. And we know what kind of a matchup issue that can present for really one of the Bengals' weaknesses. Their edge guys are good. Uh, they, you know, Landry, uh, Dupree hasn't been great this year, but they've... Danico Autry has been kind of there, but it's not Max Crosby. It's not it's not Crosby and Ngakwe uh, mm-hmm. on the edges. They're they're very good, but it's not the type of pass rush that you you know you typically have been seeing in recent weeks if you're the Bengals. Yeah, I mean their their pass rush is is predicated on using the run game to get a lead and then kind of putting teams in position where they have to pass and then they can tee off a little bit it's it's not just that that high motor constantly coming at you and that's the thing too this this titans team doesn't they're not a a runaway and hide team they they might they might play with the lead but it's not a team that scares you that's going to be explosive and jump out to a 14 nothing 21 nothing lead and so that that lends itself too to can Joe Burrow be the 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 second half, the fourth quarter Joe Burrow that that we've seen over this this last stretch? And the Jackrabbit Jenkins thing, if I know we're talking serious football here, but if you had a nickname based on an animal, what would it be? <laughs> <laughs> um You know, well it, for me, it would probably either have to start with a P or a D, right? Because you want you need the alliteration. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, otherwise I kind of like the sloth. Like I'm I I I'm not a sloth <laughs> type guy, but I envy the sloth's life, you know, like just the the slow motion style, easy going. Nobody's expecting you to be fast or be anywhere. I kind of like the idea that's sort of a dream of mine to be able to live a sloth life. Um, but it doesn't I, I don't have a good so I, would I have to go like Pato Paul right I don't want to be that I don't know. it's a good it's a good thought and maybe something I'll have to come back to I didn't know you were just going to spring an animal on me <laughs> I didn't I didn't either I just came up I, I I like the name Jackrabbit Jenkins but yes it, his name is Janoris and we will henceforth refer to him as such all right let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I want to talk a little bit about um, 
you know, Burrow and the way that he's playing. I mean, you mentioned what we've seen from this team this year, right? Their resiliency, and they've had so many comebacks in them, and they never feel out of it. This is – you just can't do that against the Titans, right? Like, it's, they are built – in every way, <laughs> outside of like a Miles Garrett, they're very Browns like in that way, right? Like they are built uh, to get a lead and punish teams when they have it. You're just, you are not set up to come from behind against them. And, and, and they could still do it. I mean, you still have your quarterback and you feel like you, you always feel like you're in it. And that's true. But you are creating the steepest climb imaginable if you have play a game where you end up having to try to do that again um it can happen you can do it but it's 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 going to be hard to do um of course we said that about san francisco right san francisco was built that way too and then there joe burrow mm-hmm. caught a hot one and he's throwing big time throws all over the field and, and bringing them back so it, it's never dead with number nine but this is not the way to play this game if you're trying to line it up um I want let let me talk specifically a little bit more about Burrow. Again, this story is up on the site, and and you can dive through um, it yourself. And people have made judgments. You know, no matter how much you point out how well the offense is playing or the quarterback is playing, they're still. I still don't like their play calling. Right, throw it more <laughs> or what? It's like that's. I, feel free to dive into that conversation in the comments. It's totally fine. Uh, I get it. And I think there's a lot to be said. You know, there is, I think there's frustrations over the play calling against the Raiders, but I didn't think it was because it was a conservative in nature necessarily, but more just because it was unsuccessful in the red zone. Like I, when you, when you look at what happened when they got down there, it wasn't, I, I didn't feel like it looked like they were turtling up, which I think, some people claim, and maybe, and maybe there was something to that, but they just weren't successful plays. And I think there, there's a reevaluation there into kind of what's going on, and maybe tinkering is going to happen over the course of this week, like they did so much over the course of the off season and messing with stuff. And we talked a lot about that, and their red zone needs to get better. But you know, I I didn't view it as some sort of Oh, feeling the pressure when they got down there. Sometimes you get down there, it's not successful. Sometimes you get down there and just the play doesn't work. Um, but I don't think people under people quite understand. So, so we have the Cook Index. The people will remember this from the Let Russ Cook, Let Joe Cook, right? It was where this started. Mike Sando kind of started this, and it was based on you know your aggressiveness in the first half in basically neutral situations so how aggressive are you being early in games first 28 minutes so you take out the last two minutes where you get two minute drives and everybody's throwing it or whatever so first 28 minutes first and second down totally neutral situations how much you put it in your quarterback's hand coming out of the bye we saw them do this recenter we're gonna be joe man we're gonna run it we're gonna take pressure off burrow that way the four four weeks there week 11 through week 14 which week 14 being the san francisco game they threw those situations 45% of the time. And then, but from week 15 through the wild card for Burrow, not counting, of course, the Brandon Allen game, 60% of the time. Expected points added in those games, 17. Expected points added in the previous, 
negative 3.4. It's been a dramatic jump. The Bengals have played from ahead in all of these games because of that. So when we talk about the need to play from ahead, it's this philosophy playing itself out. It's it's let Joe cook. And that number could even be higher. Um, you know, it was 77% against Kansas City, um, a huge number. And you could maybe see a recreation of that type of thing when you're trying to play from ahead and trying to get ahead. You know, that's that's what this team is. That's what's going to carry this run because Burrow's not turning it over. It's as safe as running it. If you're getting the same amount of yards and never turning it over, uh, why not? Uh, so what it's amounted to, this run that Burrow's on of five straight games with 100-plus passer rating and no interceptions is ridiculous. Now, passer rating is a whatever stat. Like, it's kind of a subjective, but it's an easy entry point because people are familiar with it and people understand mm-hmm. it's good quarterback play for the most part. And it, that plays itself out when you when you look at the people that are on this list. I mean, it goes Brady, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson are the only quarterbacks in NFL history to have a streak of more than five games with 100-plus passer rating and zero interceptions. That's it. That's the list. Matt Ryan's led directly to the Falcons' Super Bowl run. It was part of their Super Bowl run where they were an epic comeback by Tom Brady away from the Falcons and Matt Ryan (laughs) winning the Super Bowl. I mean, when quarterbacks catch these heaters, they advance. They reach championship games. They make it to the Super Bowl. And Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow both have five-game active streaks. They're both on one right now, if you will. Um, and keep that so keep that in mind because here's the other thing about that stat, and then I'll turn it over to you, Jay, because you can you can react to the stats now. Normally that's my job. <laughs> Postseason games the last three years when a quarterback has a passer rating of a hundred or more and no interceptions. The record is 17 and 3. The three all came against quarterbacks who also mm-hmm. did that. So essentially, yep. fourteen and zero. When the other, when you're the only quarterback that gets a hundred plus pass rating and no interceptions, the way Joe Burrow is playing football wins every game. The last three years, as long as you keep Tannehill from doing it. Now, this is my last. This is my last amendment. This is the last part of this. Ryan Tannehill's done this three games in a row. For the, for the Titans. He's kind of been the chief of the efficiency uh, game where, you know, they fo- so much focus on Henry. There's so much focus on Henry. Tannehill has turned into a very efficient quarterback playing off of that, boots off of that, lots of completions, gets yardage because teams are focused so much on the run game and Henry. And, and they've hit deep balls. So you, you've got to stop them at some point. But if this game comes down to the quarterbacks – that's the kind of game it needs to be, and you and obviously, you you love it, and you you just keep riding number nine, keep riding number nine, especially early. Yeah, they, that's the thing that as great as Joe has been in the second half of games and is you know these comebacks, it's that 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 worries you about Tennessee because it's it's the complimentary football part of it because they talk all the time about getting in a rhythm, and if Burrow gets hot. That's great, but then 
if he goes and sits on the bench after leading a touchdown drive and, and the other team puts together a long drive, whether it's successful or not, that might make it more difficult. We, we saw it in the San Francisco game where the defense started getting stops and Burrow just kept, he just kept riding that heater and led him to overtime. Same with Kansas City. They, they don't come back and win that game if the defense doesn't hold Kansas City to three points in the second half. So that's, that's a part that you kind of worry about where even if you're, if you feel like you've got that in your back pocket where, where, hey, we've still got Burrow. I know, I know we're down and the, you have to worry about can the Bengals defense shut down Derrick Henry and, and not, not just keep them from scoring, but not let them put together three, four first downs and drive and eat some clock. You, you want to get that team off the field as quick as possible and send Joe Burrow right back out there as quick, a pot, as quick as possible to, to keep that role going. Um, you, you mentioned the, the no interception thing. I, I had looked this up and if, if Burrow can win this game and not throw an interception, he would be just the, the fifth quarterback since the merger to win his first two career playoff games without throwing an interception. Now that's impressive. Only five have done it. Um, the, the list of the previous four is not that impressive, but it's still worth noting. Um, the most the most recent to do it was Blake Bortles in 2017. Uh, Mark, I'm sorry, not Mark Sanchez, Joe Flacco in 2008. And then you got to go all the way back to 1985. And again, it was a case of two quarterbacks leading their team to the Super Bowl. Jim McMahon of the Bears and Tony Eason of the Patriots. Those are the only four that have ever done it. Now, if you if you want to take the interceptions out of it, you just just guys that won their very first two starts in the postseason. If Burrow can do it, he would be the twentieth all time, and not not all time, since the merger. I'm sorry, since the 1970 merger, he would be the twentieth one to do it. Some very notable names on that list: uh, Hall of Famer Fran Tarkington, Hall of Famer Joe Montana, Boomer Esiason. Hall of Famer Kurt Warner, Hall of Famer Tom Brady, and the most recent quarterback to do it in 2019, Ryan Tannehill, who will be his opponent on Saturday. <laughs> How about that? But really, the moral story here is the headline is Burrow follows in Eason's footsteps. <laughs> Eason slash Bortles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when you kind of go back, here's the thing. The last month of the season for the Titans. They're a good team. Like they have earned this. When they had Derrick Henry healthy, they were just they were just plowing people and winning. They 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 have played, you know, they they are four and zero against the best four quarterbacks on their schedule. Okay. I mean, they beat Russell Wilson and the Seahawks 33 to 30. Um they beat the Chiefs 27 to 3. Now this was earlier in the season, but it was you know, it was still it was Patrick Mahomes whether they were struggling or not we discussed but they beat the Chiefs 27 to 3 um they beat the Rams and Matt Stafford 28 to 16 that was in LA you know they when they they've seen a, they beat the Bills 34 to 31 they beat Josh Allen and the Bills you know so that this is that's not going to scare them when they've faced great quarterbacks, they've found ways to win. They've done them in different ways because, you know, Josh Allen put up huge numbers. So did, so did Russell Wilson uh, against them. It's not like 
quarterbacks haven't had big days, but they they're they're one of these teams. You know, Vrabel is a great coach, has a reason set for coach of the year. They just they've got this find ways to win thing, and that's what you're going to run into. I mean, this the, when you reach this level, you're playing number one seeds. It's teams that just like you feel like you have as a Bengals fan, teams that find ways to win, and they've they've really got that. But the last month, you know, they lost they lost to the Texans and they lost to the Patriots in November. Um, 36 to 13 at the Patriots, which was a surprising result. Bengals and Titans both with L's to the Jets this year, which is really <laughs> amazing. The Jets should be really just, you know, really excited about this development. Um, but and they beat the Jags. They lost to this, they lost in Pittsburgh. Then Turned they played San Francisco times. at home. Uh, and the Dolphins and at the Texans. Um, they they win. The Niners is really the the team in there that you're impressed with. You go back and watch that game. I spent a lot of time going over that because it felt like the the real opponent, common opponent, a lot of things you can see. Garoppolo is so terrible in this game, and there is no they had no business. Randy at the gun was the was was what happened uh, for the 2017 win. The the Niners should have won this game by 20 points. Garoppolo just totally mucks it up, throwing it to him over and over again. Interception in the end zone, interception sets up a short field, you name it. Um, you're not, Burrow's not going to do that. He's not going to Garoppolo this game. And so if you look at something like that, I don't know how you don't look at that and say, this is, it's not a team. They, they're a great team that finds ways to win, but they're not a team that you watch and are blown away by. You know, And I think if you're a Bengals you're the Bengals coaching staff. That's how you're looking at it. And you, you talked about Garoppolo giving that game away. The, the Titans, they've, they've had a penchant for doing that. They have five games this year with at least three turnovers. That's tied for the most in the league. That That is another thing where you look at where it, off the radar, off the Joe Burrow factor, this this Bengals defense has gotten better at, at forcing turnovers, taking the ball away. Um, that would be another key element to to winning this game. It's the the Bengals offense has 369 straight plays without a turnover, and the Bengals defense is is it's not like they've been ball hawks with forcing a ton of turnovers, but they've gotten key ones in key spots. And if you can just get one or two in a playoff game, you put yourself in great position to win. So this. It, Ryan Tannehill, everything's based off play action, play off of Derrick Henry. And if if you slow that down and, and make them more of a a straight passing team, you you can force them into mistakes. That's how, that's how Pittsburgh beat them. Pit, Tennessee outplayed Pittsburgh in that game, but they turned the ball over four times. Pittsburgh didn't turn it over at all, and it was still it came down right to the end. It was a nineteen thirteen game. So that that is as is the case in most playoff games, turnovers are going to be a huge factor in this one. Yeah, Tannehill with one interception, just one interception in the last five games, and that was uh, against Pittsburgh. Uh, we're going to obviously have a ton more. We're going to have Joe Rexroad uh, uh, in from Nashville who covers the Titans 
for us. Uh, join, and we'll talk a lot more about what exactly is happening with the Titans inside the rehab of Derrick Henry, how he's looked at practice, how they, you expect them to be used. Again, if you're not, uh, if you want to step to the end of the Titans, go over. It's the beauty of the athletic. Just pop on over to the team side. Go to search in uh, Titans and follow them all week and follow Joe and everybody that's writing about uh, the, the Titans from that side, and, and you'll get all the insight. And, of course, we'll have him on and be ton- talking a ton about the matchup uh, on Thursday. All right, let's just take a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's bring in our uh, our good friend Mo Egger and uh, talk about tweets. Mo, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, guys. What's going on? You know, it's a it's a it's a pretty happy week here in this city. I I imagine the uh, the radio waves are very confused. Like the <laughs> what, what do we do with this? How, how do we handle this? Is it just people calling in and just telling all the happy stories? I mean, that's just, that's no fun. That's not what this medium was built on. You know, um, it's interesting. I was on Friday evening, right? The the night before the game. And I was really trying to uh, reflect this optimistic tune of, you know, mechanically, there's no reason to think the Raiders are going to win this game. The Bengals have the better team. They have the the better quarterback. There's no real decided advantage that you could point to with the Raiders. I was using history as a guide. Here's why you should feel better about this game than any other in uh, in recent franchise uh, playoff history. And I was prepared for this onslaught of you're an idiot. Uh, Mike Brown won't let him win, you know, that sort of thing. And I was, I was really, really pleased that for three hours, it was like a pep rally, man. I mean, people were, were fired up. People were excited. So I really have maybe more than anything else. That's the aspect of this that I've enjoyed is it, it feels like, I mean, you, you can find people that can find a negative out of anything, right? I have put that to my friends in pretty vulgar terms that I'll, uh, uh, spare you guys from, but you can find somebody enjoying the most pleasurable experience. And, and yet there will be somebody who finds a way to uh, point out the negative. Nobody's done that. That has been, I mean, I'm sure somebody has, but, but nobody in my orbit and, and nobody that I've watched or read or seen or uh, scrolled through has, has done that to watch folks just be happy and enjoy something that many thought would never happen has been really, really fun. And I've also seen very minimal, like, oh, you guys are just celebrating a stupid AFC wildcard win. Like, I think people outside of Cincinnati get it, right? It's been over three decades. In the grand scheme of things, this is a playoff win that in other cities might not be a huge deal. Here, it's monumental, and people have uh, reacted accordingly, and I think outsiders have understood that. Uh, Jay, do you have stats for Mo? I do, and they kind of make sense now because he said that he hasn't seen too many people 
commenting or being <laughs> negative in the pleasure, which means he hasn't been on Twitter very often because it does happen there. <laughs> yes. And uh, yes, yes, uh, fifty-four tweets, uh, a bit of a dip this week for me. Ooh, is that a career yeah. low? Since we've it, been, it scanning? might be. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of of why. I, I don't know. Too know. much happiness. Too much, too much happiness. Yeah. Too much, too much happiness. happiness. <laughs> You're too busy being happy, and I appreciate that. Speaking exactly. of, I do have a tweet to start with from you, okay. um, and it is from 7.51 p.m. on Saturday evening, <laughs> and it was simply Jermaine Pratt, all caps, <laughs> one, two, three, four exclamation points. My question is this. Did you th think... One more exclamation point. Did you think about going <laughs> further? How did you land on four? And uh and 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 just take me through that moment for you. Um, so the real decision wasn't about the exclamation marks and it wasn't about capitalization. It was do I do I put a word in between Jermaine and Pratt? Because I felt like <laughs> it. I felt like it. And and then I thought, you know what, let's let's not be that guy. Um that was cool, man. That was so, Paul. I've I've told you my story of of watching the game. I was in uh, Wichita, Kansas. It, it's where uh, you want to be. Which you know, <laughs> hey, your your favorite NFL team is going to break through and do something it hasn't done since the eighth grade. You know where you want to be, Wichita, Kansas. Um, <laughs> obviously, with UC basketball having a game on Sunday, and and Dan, despite his best efforts, not being able to to make it. Um, and I'm not sure he was all that upset about that, given the fact that he could <laughs> enjoy to its fullest uh, the game on Saturday. I had to go to Wichita and fill in for him on Sunday. And so the team left uh, early on Saturday afternoon. So I was watching the game by myself in a hotel bar. And I, I didn't want to watch it with anybody else. I, I, I didn't want, I'll come watch the game with you. And oh, yeah, have you, are you a Bengals fan? Nah. Like, I, I didn't want that. So uh, I'm in a hotel bar and it's quiet. And there's a woman eating a salad. And she has no interest in the game whatsoever. The bartender has no interest in the game whatsoever. So it's just me. So I didn't have like the person to high five or hug or headbutt or whatever. I, I didn't. So all I had was my phone and uh, my thumbs. And so I just <laughs> said, the only thing that you could really say here is Jermaine Pratt. Um, so that was that was cool. That was neat. I loved it. And so what was uh, the woman eating the salad? Did she have any reaction to your angst, your celebration, your, I assume it wasn't quiet. I no, assume no. you were not quiet. I made a fool out of myself. Well, so <laughs> as, as the game is, I was, I was really sort of in check and, and, you know, like in the first half of the game, they were sort of blowing all these opportunities. And I, I, my first interaction with, the woman eating the salad. First of all, she sat down and she indicated that like she was only at the hotel because I think her husband had fallen ill in Wichita and hope everything's okay. So she's sitting there, she's eating her salad. She's minding her own business. She's uh, really, really not bothering me. And I sort of unsolicited have to said to her should be up more. And she just looked at me like, what, <laughs> you know, so, but as the game went on, like, and, and I think this would happen to most of us. Like, Somebody else is really invested in something. Now you become invested in something because you're now invested in the person sitting next to you. If, if, <laughs> if this person gets the desired result, what's that going to be like? And do I have to fear for myself if something <laughs> bad happens? Right. Um, so uh, in the, in the fourth <clears throat> quarter, I just sort of, I just sort of looked at her and I said, like, uh, I'm really sorry. Uh, uh, and she's like, Oh no, you're fine. I'm going to, I'm really sorry for what's going to happen. And she's like, oh, your, your team's winning. I'm like, 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> the uh, roughing the passer call in the last Las Vegas drive. I, I mean, I, I like threw a temper tantrum and, and I just, <laughs> and now, uh, you know, she's, she's eating, she actually ate two salads during the course of this game. It must've been a great salad at the Wichita Marriott. Just and, nervously and, eating and staring at you at the corner of her eye. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the game ends and I was, I mean, just uh, ma- making a jerk at him. And like, it's one of these hotel bars. that's sort of like an extension of the lobby. So anybody walking past can see there's some lunatic and there's a handful of people you can just tell are like stopping on their journey to go to wherever. And they want to see like, ah, oh, yeah, the game's on. What's the score? So I'm like really, really happy. So the woman eating the salad uh, calls the bartender over and says, uh, do you have a drink menu? And uh, she says, uh, yeah, and gives it to her. And the woman with the salad says, give it to him and tell him to get whatever he wants. So that was really, really cool. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, there was an absence of someone to high five. There was an absence of someone to hug. Uh, My phone was just going crazy, which was uh, which was fun. But, uh, yeah, I'll Bengals fans will never forget where they were and who they were with. I will never forget where I was and who I wasn't with. So um, <laughs> I love it. Pretty fun experience. I I have two quick questions off of that. First was the sound on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah there okay. Were, so that's, there, there were two TVs. The one that I was sitting at did not have the sound. And so I said, could you turn the sound on? And the woman, the bartender was great. She just handed me the remote. So I like, I blasted yeah. it. It was great. So, so my second to, question. I, so I got to hear all the commentary that Drew Brees didn't offer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what the big the big one here is, and this is for the Jinx and Curse crowd out there. Um, are you going to Tennessee? Because maybe <laughs> you not being in attendance had a bearing on the Bengals breaking that curse. Yeah, um, I'm not. And I badly okay. want to. Unfortunately, I have a uh, a personal commitment late Saturday morning that I I simply uh, I won't even try to get out of. So, had the game been at night, I was going to go. Had the game been on Sunday, there's no doubt about it. Had the game been on Saturday night, I was going to try to get there. It being at four thirty, it's I, I just in, unless there's uh, somebody with a private plane that wants to uh, pick me up around three o'clock and get me there. Um, uh, I, I will not be attending. So if they if they do lose, I'm not the reason why. Um, that's not my fault. I, I'm not it. I'm not it. So What's, and and by if, the way, for for what it's worth, the 2015 playoff game, I was in a similar situation, filling in for Dan, watching in Tampa. So it's not like, hey, Mo was at all these playoff games they lost. I <laughs> I actually didn't attend the last one they lost, and so it wasn't it wasn't me. It's possible that you are inconsequential to the outcome. I mean, I don't want to believe that, but it's possible. <laughs> you know, I, I was I was often blamed. Tony Pike, my buddy on ESPN 1530, we were blamed for the Reds collapse because we made a bet on whether the Reds would win 83 games. And I said, yes. And he just went ahead and paid off. The, it was a skyline bet, skyline chili. He just brought me lunch when they, you know, in late August. And we put a photo of it. And then they subsequently just nosedived. So... <laughs> People were like, you're the reason why. And I go, we didn't bet that they were going to win the division or make the playoffs. It was 83 wins. And by the way, they still won 83 games. Yeah. But uh, I, I did have to like say to people, like, you do realize I have nothing to do. This bet had nothing to my tweet. Twitter had nothing to do with uh, the bullpen not being good or the hitting falling apart or Wade Miley suddenly can't get anybody out. It's, it's not. And a lot of people didn't want to believe that. Thought it was on us. 
Well, I have one more tweet from you that I particularly enjoyed, and I think a lot of people would. And it was uh, it was a subtweet of something else, which is unimportant. Uh, but it was, I can now and forever forget what the price of gas was and what the number one song in the country was in January of 1991. It, what an just local news trope. I mean, if there's ever been one, anytime anything like this happens, it is constant. Like... What was life even like in 1990? I, I mean, people lived. We were all here. Do we really need to delve back into this? I saw there were separate what was life like stories between in 2002 or three when the Raiders won and 1990. We're comparing like 91 versus 2003 livelihoods. What, what, are, we, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. Um, I did send the photo of myself from that year uh, before the game. <laughs> With a book, big full head of hair uh, that was in the I was in the eighth grade, and so I, for whatever reason, I had a picture on my phone of my eighth grade photo, and I I did tweet before the game like you know here's what I look like look at all that hair maybe if they win the hair will grow back, it is the most tired, uh, Bengals playoff trope we have, and there's a number of them, and we can put most of them behind us, but yeah, it feels like every outlet, including ours, every outlet has done the like. Oh, you know, on this week in 1991, Madonna's "Justify My Love" was the number one song in the country. Which, God, what a what a bad week for music. I mean, let's <laughs> not even one of Madonna's top 15 songs. It's just an erotic video. I enjoyed the erotic video when I was 13 years old. But and then the you know we we have to do the price of gas. What what were some of the fashion trends? Uh, you know, we we don't have to do that anymore. We 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 don't we we don't have to we don't have to do that now. You know, maybe the next one is going to be like for the Reds. We'll have to go back to 1995. And, you know, what was the number one song then? I, I, probably uh, Deep Blue Something's uh, Breakfast Tiffany's. I, I don't know. Uh, but but we don't have to do that anymore. Well, I guess we do have to do that if the Reds are ever in the postseason again. But we don't have to do it with the Bengals and uh, the whole January 91 thing, which um, makes me really, 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 really happy. I mean, I had a cell phone in 1991. It's not like it was the dark ages. You did. It was. I mean, it was in a bag, and you had to plug it into your into your car lighter. But I could talk on my phone as I was driving around. It wasn't like it was this long, long time ago. It, yeah, I mean, it was a long time ago, but it wasn't like it was the dark ages. Yeah, I, I mean, not for no, you, not for you. I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, we College were young. Grad. Yeah, I, I was. I was not driving a car, so I couldn't have a car phone in a bag. Um. Yeah, it, 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 I think I said this to you guys last week. I, I do remember watching those games uh, again, not, and not just the game that we watched for the rewatch about a year and a half ago, but I, I, I do remember watching um, the playoff games against uh, the Oilers and uh, against the Raiders, and now I feel like I can file that away. Like, I don't have to remember it quite so vividly. I was, I mean, I was telling the story of who I watched uh, that Oilers game with my dad and, and what we were doing. And like, now I just feel like, okay, I can just, I don't have to have as vivid a memory of watching Bo Jackson uh, play against the Bengals in January of 91. I don't, I don't, I can, I can, we can put all that to bed. And that is, uh, I mean, th the whole theme of Saturday was we, we, we put away narratives and we put away so many just tired stories and we put away, just this discourse of never winning a playoff game in three decades. And we put so much stuff. Away. This is among the things that we have put away and good God, it's been, it's been overdue. The only thing I want to make sure we never forget about the Bengals last 
playoff win in 1991 was the creepy white van with Sag Jensen in it. <laughs> That's the one thing that never needs to go away that I want to live on forever. And I will do my best to, to make this my cause. Would have been nice. Had remember that, the van. Would have been nice. Had that been on the field on Saturday, right? Just to sort <laughs> of trot it out. Home. Why not? For good homage. luck. Yeah, here it is. It should have been the ruler of the jungle or Sag should be the ruler of the jungle. Honestly. I mean, that's really that what would, where you should have gone. That would be, yeah. that would be cool. That yes, would be, it certainly would. <laughs> um, Mo, do you have Tennessee thoughts? Do you have thoughts on uh, on Saturday's game yet, or are you still kind of? Do you have positive energy about it, or are you? Well, I think like everybody, you're worried about all the injuries on the defensive line, and uh, you know, I know you threw cold water all over the Geno Atkins thing, Sorry. which fine by me I, I you know i just I couldn't care less but you know for like two hours watching people get excited about that for some reason was was kind of interesting but you know yeah I, it's it's an interesting game from the standpoint of you know derrick henry's gonna play and hasn't played in in almost three months and how do they stop him how do they stop him with a defense that's all depleted but i mean l- legitimately of of the three teams they they could have played they could have played in you know different scenarios Kansas City Buffalo and Tennessee I would imagine this is the opponent that most Bengals fans wanted the team to play it's the venue most Bengals fans wanted the team to play at so from that standpoint it works out and I, I hate boiling football down to a matchup of quarterbacks but you can't help but do that right now if you're a Bengals fan and I think most would take Joe Burrow over Ryan Tannehill and as long as you have number nine on your team. I think you feel pretty good about your chances. Um, they're going to have to play better in the red zone. They're going to have to execute better. Um, I I give them a shot. I mean, I, I give them more than a shot. I, I give any team quarterbacked by Joe Burrow that is playing with uh, this team's level of confidence uh, a shot. But I do think given the way Tennessee is likely to play, you are being fair if you're worried about how they're going to tackle one of the best running backs in football. After your – Hang on, we're, 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 I'm about. Up, oh, I thought we were going to have company for a second. You want to give me that ball? Yeah. yeah here we, oh, oh, what a throw! Pretty good. <laughs> I was going to say, after your Saturday engagement, will you find a Marriott bar to watch the game? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I should have invited Salad Lady to Cincinnati to just see if she'd like, like to redo this thing you know like hey playing, did you ever get uh, her name or is she forever going to be salad lady <laughs> forever going to be salad lady I, sounds I like a her, dolores to me uh yeah dolores sounds good what what was weird was i drank the drink she purchased me and then i i i found a place to go by myself after and uh i walked over and uh i kind of went in for a hug she wasn't having it so there was this weird sort of my hand was on her shoulder. Uh, I mean, it, that was bizarre, but I did appreciate the, uh, the cocktail. We, we've seen all these videos from people in the stands, from full bars celebrating and things like that. The one that I would like to see is just you and her with awkward exchanges for like 20 minutes. I, I should have taken a picture. I, I, I really should have like said, hey, can I? And, and so I could have shown everybody. Hey, there's, there's me and the Salad lady Dolores over here. We, we just enjoyed this. And uh, in, in, I'm, 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 you know, I was, I was thinking of like everybody that I've ever watched a Bengals game with, everybody that I've gone to a Bengals game with, everybody that I've watched um, playoff games with or attended playoff games with, and 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 maybe the the most significant, certainly the most significant win in my adult life, at least, I shared with some lady eating salad. So. Um, <laughs> 
sense sort of fitting for me, I guess. Absolutely love it. All right, well, well, well maybe we'll be uh, talking about who you decide to watch this week's game with, and I look forward to that. So All right. uh, you have a good one. We'll talk to you later. Okay, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Mo. All right, always great to catch back up with Mo, and who, who really – I I I I enjoy that it was a very memorable situation for him to watch that game in, and you'll you'll never never forget Salad Lady. He won't. He will. He will tell that story for years, just as, as I've told a story for years. This was this was so ridiculous. It was 1990, and I was covering the Ohio University football team, and this perfect storm happens where they're playing at Kent State, and my brother was going to Kent State, and my dad owned a racehorse. And the racehorse was racing in Cleveland that night. So I cover the game and then we go to the track to watch my dad's horse race. Well, this is the night of game four of the World Series with the Reds and the A's. And so I don't know if you guys have been to racetracks before, but they've got the little monitors where you, it's got all the odds and the races and everything. But if you, you turn the turn it, you can actually get TV. So that's how I watched Eric Davis lacerate his kidney. And I was I was way more interested in the World Series than I was the horse race. Uh, my dad's horse did not win. Um, <laughs> we he as he liked to do a lot of times, we would he would take a limo to these events to the to, to the track yeah just to i mean it wasn't his limo but he would rent one and it was i mean it's kind of the horse racing thing to do and so we are in the limo leaving the racetrack as the reds are in the ninth inning just i mean barely getting wlw crackly staticky that's how i heard them win the world series and he drops me off. I'm spending the night at my brother's house. Well, my brother is not a sports fan at all. So he couldn't give a rat's ass that the Reds won the World Series. So I was like, well, where's the bars? And he tells me he lived off campus. So I walk up to the Kent State bars thinking, well, there'll be a, this is still Ohio. There's got to be a lot of Reds fans up here wanting to celebrate the World Series. Nope. I might as well have been in Wichita, Kansas. Nobody cared <laughs> at all that the Reds had won the World Series. It was the most deflating. I was, I mean, I was ecstatic, but it was, it was such a deflating night. And uh, luckily I did bump into a couple of people I knew from OU who were from the Cleveland area that just happened to go home that weekend. At least I had someone to talk to, but we were not discussing the wire to wire Cincinnati Reds. Tell me more about your limo experience. Like I, I just love the idea that you guys just rolled around in limos all the time. Like that's just what you do. Well, if you're going to the track, I mean, if you own a horse and you go to the track, yeah, you you rent a limo and it's kind of the the big shot thing to do. The the one thing, the one time my dad's horse won, I went, I took a friend of mine from OU and we went to Scioto Downs in Columbus, and my dad wasn't there that day. But I was like, well, you know, my dad's horse is racing. Let's go watch it run. What wins? And it's like. On the sheet, it says owner Jay Morrison. Well, I'm Jay Morrison Jr. I'm I can play myself. So we go down as the owners and we pose in the winner's circle with the. We I still have the photo of us posing with the horse after it <laughs> after it won the race because it's like well I've got the same name as the owner so they let me in. That's that's fantastic, uh, Jay. I think you should start arriving at every Bengals game in a limo just because the big <laughs> shot thing to do. You know, well, I mean, now the New York Times owns us. I think I could probably, yeah. <laughs> I could probably swing that. That's right. Yeah, get a get a like a New York Times bumper sticker that you throw onto the back <laughs> of the uh, back of the limo whenever it, whenever it picks us up, and then 
I, I agree. So that way everybody knows when, when they're out there at uh, the Bengal gym, Bengal gym's tailgate, and all of a sudden you see the limo go goes by. Oh, look at that. Jay Morrison and the Athletics showing up. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right. Let's uh, growler bet recap time. Jay, what happened with the growler bet? Um, you beat me. Uh, you were pretty close, actually. Um, you had three minutes in the first quarter being the time of game that the, the winning team would take the lead for good. And it actually happened at 435 of the first quarter. Joe Burrow's pass to CJ Uzama gave them a, a seven to three lead and they never relinquished it. Um, nobody, nobody came within what, what did we go five seconds on that one for this? We I did. think we did five yeah, seconds. Either inside, way. And, inside a minute had to be exact. And then inside five yeah. seconds had to be the length of the play, the length. Yeah. And so nobody, no winners this week. However, you said 435, correct? Mm-hmm. I have to shout out my guy, Tom Watson, who is he's a writer of kids' books who sent a bunch of the kids' books that we are currently plowing through, my daughter and I right now, who we're, we're into the third we're into the third book in the series, which is Stick Dog Chases a Pizza. Uh, but it's she she loves she loves these books. They're by Tom Watson, and he guessed 434 in the second quarter. Oh, oh. so close. So close. But <laughs> I still got nothing but love for Tom, uh, who has written these incredibly funny books that uh, my daughter and I love. So, um, But it's so close. You still get nothing. So we, we move it on. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a couple of good – Run past our boots that we're going to drop on you. We're going to save those, though. We're going to save those for Thursday's podcast. Again, on Thursday, Joe Rexrode uh, will join us from Nashville to give all the insight on where the Titans at. We'll have reaction from the next two days of practices uh, and availabilities via Zoom. And then we will head to Nashville after that uh, for to get ready for the game, to hit Broadway, to eat some barbecue, uh, a number of fun things that will occur. And then 4.30 p.m. Eastern time uh, on Saturday, Bengals at Titans. And, you know, the the rest of the, the, rest of the playoffs kind of broke the way you thought. Bills, Chiefs looks like it's going to be mm. um, an epic game. And you're just – if you're the Bengals, if you're talking about paths – just avoiding having to play both Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in a postseason just feels like a pretty nice deal. Yeah, that's a pick your poison there, though. I mean, who if I mean, I mean at some point you're going to play bit, somebody great, they, right? I mean, yeah. But if they do, if they are fortunate enough to beat Tennessee, then who? What's the better option? You're either going to Buffalo, which is a tough place to play, and weather could be a major issue, or you're going to Kansas City, who. You you struggle. You pulled it out, but you struggled with, and that that team has been to two straight Super Bowls. It's it, it there is no good choice, no good option there either way. I also think there's something to be said with Kansas City having a game of experience, seeing how you handled them. It's it's. I think I'd rather have a little bit more of an element of surprise that you can spring on the Bills. Um, I don't, you know. Both of them are incredibly tough games. I, I'm, a, I'm with you. I would, I'm probably flipping a coin, but if it was a, the old gun to the head, you had to pick somebody. I think I'd rather go to Buffalo 
then go to Arrowhead. It just that just it's still Patrick Mahomes. They've still won so many big games there. That place is so loud. Now, Buffalo and Bills Mafia mm. on an AFC Championship game is I would not feel safe walking through the tailgate area without looking out for fires and people jumping on to, off of top of trailers onto tables and th- doing Lord knows what in the backyards of these places <laughs> where they park. But I'm just I, that place would be a total madhouse without doubt. But you know, Josh Allen has not been in the Super Bowl. The Bills have not been to the Super Bowl. They've they've not won title games, and I and I think that their defense is a little bit more accessible. Um, even though you did just throw for two sixty six against the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago, I think the knowledge of how that went down and the ability to adjust uh, by the Chiefs um, scares me a little bit more. Uh, if we're talking about which one you would go to next. But we probably shouldn't be looking too far past this game on Saturday against <laughs> the Titans. That's that's all that's all we'll lay on that. All right, Jay. Uh, we'll be back Thursday. More of a game preview as always and all the normal things that we do. Just thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one.